You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, and formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. Today's show, we're going to have the last bit of my conversation with Stacey Gatsoulias from Locked On Yankees. That'll be our third segment. If you probably noticed, it just did cut off at the end. Uh, that's because there's about another 12 to 13 minutes of discussion, really trying to keep it into that low 30s when we do the podcast uh, every day to encourage listening. And so we have that. We'll talk about the game. And let's just start there. There's a lot to dissect in this game. There's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, should we talk about, you know, I'm on the, the media list. I get the post-game emails. How about the fact that uh, it's the first time the Indians lost this year when they scored four runs or more. They left a season-high 12 men on base. Uh, Zach Plesak and his performance. You have Sam Henches with his Major League debut. Struck out the side, but also gave up a home run. It was it's just an ugly game. <laughs> it's great they got five runs. Jordan Luplo continues to hit his fifth home run of the year. Naylor had a double. And, yeah, you look at the box score on a very basic level, and you're like, they had 11 hits. They got eight runs. The Indians scored five runs on seven hits. But at the same time, three errors for the White Sox. So that all of a sudden makes it, like, 10 opportunities with base runners as opposed to the 11. And just to discuss, the White Sox had one walk in this game. The Indians had nine. That's right. Nine versus one. So at the end of the day, you're looking at 11 plus one is 12. Seven plus three plus nine. That's 19 base runners. Plus, they had a wild pitch to help advance. Now, the wild pitch essentially just led to a walk. But still, the Indians were on base in every single inning except for the sixth. They loaded the bases multiple times with less than uh, two outs. And it just, like, let's just go through it. Like, this was a game that just was hard. Uh, First inning, you end up with, you lead the game off with a walk. Luplo on top of the home run had three walks in this game. Another rough one for Jose Ramirez. Uh... You know, Cesar Hernandez got off the schneid. That was also in my email that, you know, he'd been 0 for his last 8 before he got his single. But first inning, you have a pair of walks, nothing to show for it. You come back in the second, only one walk. <laughs> That's the funny thing. The second inning, your least effective inning in the entire game because they had a walk. That's how strong things went for them in this, and they lost by 3. You get the home run in the third and another walk. Come back in the fourth. Error. First of two catcher's interferences in this game. I can't remember the last time I've ever seen two of them. The wild pitch advances the runners, so then they... uh, Roberto Perez walks, so you've got the bases loaded and nobody out. At this point in time, you're down 3-1. to Bases loaded, nobody out. And then the rest of this inning is just a crud show. Strikeout looking, strikeout swinging... Hernandez gets that single to, to break the bad luck, and then Naylor gets caught at home in a rundown. One run. I mean, that's the ideal outcome. 
for Rondone in that situation. Uh, and if, right now on this team, if you want anyone coming to bat in that situation, you do want Luplo coming in. Uh, unfortunately, you do not want Cesar Hernandez, honestly, I would say in that situation. But he came up and performed. I, I can't really, in this case, I was proven wrong. But, I mean, strikeout, strikeout. And then, uh, like, it's just, at the fourth inning, one can argue this is where the game was lost. Bases loaded, nobody out. Strikeout, strikeout. Final out at home. Come back in the fifth, you get a single. Come back in the sixth, as I mentioned before, that's the one time they do not have a base runner. In the seventh, walk, walk. So you lead off with a pair of walks. There's an out, and then there's a single. So now you have your bases loaded for the second, or I'm sorry, that single scores a run. Bases are not loaded. But then you now have runners at first and second, which you'd had previously. Strike out, fly out, nothing nothing beyond that. You start off by getting the two first, the, your two base runners aboard. Three of the first four guys reach. One run to show for that. That's, you know, that's not the, of course it's not the ideal outcome, but it's also an unlikely outcome when you're setting yourself up in that way. How about the eighth? That's the next time they load the bases. I knew it happened twice in this one. Walk, ground out. The second catcher's interference, another walk. So at this point, now the bases are loaded without a single or, you know, any type of hit, I should say. Bases loaded, one out. Cesar Hernandez does not come through this time. Fly out. Jose Ramirez has just been a terrible skid. Lines out. Absolutely nothing to show for base, loading the bases with one out. The ninth, you get the the single, the double, and another single to allow two more runs to come across. They go get their closer, and Bowers grounds out. And again, it's just... I know I'm recapping the entire game here, but it's because you almost have to. It's unbelievable the outcome based on the production. To get five runs after three errors, seven hits, and nine walks. That's hard to do. Like, you almost have to actively try. And I'm not saying they're actively trying to not perform well. Uh, I'm just saying that what they produced in terms of runs, based on what occurred in that game, based on the hits. And again, one of those hits is a home run. So you're talking about, I know of the, what, seven hits, you only have two extra base hits, which does limit what can occur. But at the same time, seven runs or five runs on 19 opportunities. And I say 19 opportunities because every single time the catcher's interference and the other error, those all resulted in another runner on base. 19 players reach base and they had five score. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like I said, you, you feel like it's almost something that you'd have to try to do. If you were, like, going for an achievement in a video game to, like, strand 10 runners in a game, like, you, you feel like that's something you have to try to get because you couldn't get, tw- or, you know, in this case, 12 runners stranded naturally. It's it's incredibly frustrating. We ha- did see some other teams start making roster moves uh, today, or I should say yesterday, moving around prospects, trying to figure out some things that would help and work. I don't know what the Indians are going to do. I don't know what the answer is necessarily. Um... I expected 
a little bit more from a few spots in the lineup. I, I it's early, you know, it's always going to be the thing. Like I talked about with um, Stacy on the show yesterday, like you don't want to overreact. You know, the same way I don't think like Jordan uh, Luplo is going to have the 800 slugging all year. I also don't think Cesar Hernandez is going to hit 167. Now, do I think there's a chance he's not going to play as well as 2020? Absolutely, because he hadn't played that well the previous few years. Uh, Jose Ramirez, his start is troubling because it's just, it's been a, I don't even know if I want to say a start, but over the past, what, week, he is just completely scuffling. And, you know, Fran Mill is still performing. Uh, It was a rough game for Eddie Rosario. Uh, the young players they got when you're looking, you know, Jimenez isn't even playing every day. Uh, don't be shocked if he ends up getting sent down for service time manipulation if they feel that, like, well, we want to see what Rosario can do. Like, that would not surprise me because right now, instead of playing Rosario in center field, they're shifting this and he is showing up more and more at short. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, Naylor is, is close to average. You'll take that. Uh, Roberto Perez is like the one guy who's, I mean, okay, so Perez and Luplo, which is interesting because both of those guys were really strong in 2019 and then really not so much in 2020. And it's those two guys who are really the only ones overperforming at this point in time. Uh, I don't know, maybe one can make a case that Fran Mill is, but I also think Fran Mill at peak is is something close to this, I think. I'm not going to sit there and say that he is overperforming. Uh, we'll talk about the pitching. We'll talk a little bit more about the game. We'll talk about the three stars and the loss uh, in a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Wednesday. So it is a built Bar Day here on the show. Today, I, again, as I typically do, two built Bars for lunch. I had the cookies and cream and the uh was it the caramel brownie i'm currently having a built bar boost the apple pomegranate it's a little bit later as i'm recording and it gives me a nice amount of energy and a, a little bit of with the uh the apple taste a little bit of a kick you know sometimes how apple can be uh, bottom line is this is a company that produces a product i love i was sitting there talking with stacy after the show ended yesterday and we we're talking about how you know some ads are harder for us to read than others and we both talked about well, Built Bar is great because we, we love it and we can just vamp. And that's the point. This is a product that people try and love. It's a great product. It is getting better all the time. They're bringing back old flavors. There's always something fun and new. It's never boring. It's never dull. Go check out Built Bar for yourself today. BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON15 and that's the same amount you would get as a returning customer. Check it out for yourself. Again, that is BuiltBar.com and there it is all fantastic. Listen, the draft is in Cleveland this year, and even if it wasn't in Cleveland, we all know the draft is a national holiday when you are a Cleveland fan. I mentioned it on the show last night. We've got you covered on Network. The Draft Dudes podcast all about the draft. Jeff over at Lockdown Browns, uh, he's having draft content coverage every day. Go check them out for all the information you need on this year's NFL draft. So let's get back into this game. And I know there's people out there being like, do we have to? And it's weird to be this negative when they score five runs. And it's five runs off a pitcher who almost threw a perfect game against him last time. But at the same time, like, there's reasons to look at this one and just be extra annoyed. Because they should have, there should be more. Like, this is a game where they should have put up ten runs. 
with the nice 19 base runners with pitchers struggling with their command with nine if they're going to give you nine free passes it's not just that you have those runners on base it means that they're getting deeper into counts it means that they're not as sharp there's all those reasons why that should be a clear sign that that the Indians should have easily won this game instead of losing it and yeah the pitching was you know equally not there and I mean that's back-to-back bad outings for Plesak and both of them against the White Sox last time it was two-thirds of an inning where he gave up six runs got absolutely blasted by them and this one, he goes five innings, giving up six runs. So it's it's a massive improvement over his previous start. But you're still, it, man, I didn't realize this, that when you go to Plesak's profile page over on ESPN, the latest video for him is still uh, the Plut, Adam uh, Plutko saying Clevenger and Plesak lied to us. Uh, he needs to do something positive to uh, get that off of there. But it, like I said, he, I don't know if he's, tipping something or if the White Sox see him better. I, last year, he was really good against the White Sox. It is just two games. But, I mean, over the last, I'm doing a lot of but I means. Uh, just my essential point, though, is in the early goings this year, he's had maybe like his two worst starts of the last two years combined. Now, short season this year, very short season last year. The point is still, he's got a negative war, and that's after having a a six-inning uh, start where he gave up two runs, got a loss, but it was a, you know, a, a solid workman performance. And then the win against Detroit, where he was fantastic. Now he's not been missing bats at the same rate as a year ago, and that's always going to be my concern with a pitcher. If I go back to Josh Tomlin, for instance, when he had his really big like breakout, when there was that period where he looked like maybe he was going to turn a corner and become something else that he might have a little bit more ceiling to him, his strikeout rate jumped. I'm going to pull his here just so I have the exact number. But Tomlin, I just remember having discussions with like writers I knew with the Tigers where they're like, it's not fair that Tomlin is your fifth and he, he's all of a sudden this guy who's missing bats. Now, Tomlin never walked anyone. That was always his strength. Like twice he had the lowest walk rate in all of baseball. But you go back to 2015, we're over 10 games. It was the strikeout rate jumped over seven, and then 2017 in particular, where that strikeout rate was up near eight. And he had some periods, I believe it was in 2017, where that strikeout rate was over eight, and that just made him an entirely different animal. Now, why am I talking about this? Zach Plesac's strikeouts per nine last year were was 9.3. Uh, the year before that, in his rookie season, was at 6.8. This year, it's at 6.6. Now, again, the smallest of sample sizes. And that 6.6 is not counting today's game, where he struck out four and five innings. So it, that'll cause it to go up ever so slightly. But it's just something to keep in mind, that the one extended season, the numbers weren't as strong. Like last year, he was, he looked like he took... A, a step forward. Of course, it was eight games. And how much can you really gleam from eight games, especially when you're only pitching against the Central? And both Centrals had some really terrible teams in them. A lot of my view on the Indians was based on, you know, the, my view of Plesak. 
that he was going to be not necessarily an all-star type, but that he would maybe be that Carrasco-level pitcher when Carrasco was at his best and always kind of like the back end of the top 20 starters in baseball. I thought Plesak had that opportunity. We'll have to see. Uh, two great games against a really bad team, two bad games against a good team. That is, of course, not the way you want to see it play out. Quantrell is massively scuffling as well. I mean, how many games in a row is that with a run given up by him? Which is interesting. You know, I say all that, and he's got a 3.38 ERA. Uh, Henches in his debut. Nice to see Phil Maton and Trevor uh, Steffen come out. Both had had uh, the last outing. I believe for Steffen, it was like his last three outings, he had given up a run. Gets a clean sheet, as it were, in this one. Phil Maton had had some problems uh, as well. His brother made his major league debut either Monday or Tuesday, uh, just in terms of that family. But uh, to have him come out and also have the the clean performance, the no runs across. Is that really it for Quantrell? Has he really only had two earned runs? That doesn't feel correct. Uh, You know, I need to maybe go somewhere else for my game logs. I was just being lazy and going to ESPN. and uh, I'll have to look at that, but... Yeah, it's you know, obviously a bad pitching night, but even if Quantrell and Henches don't give up anything, uh, the Indians still lose this one because they didn't take advantage of their opportunities. Plesak didn't pitch well, but neither did uh, Rondon, neither did the bullpen. You're not going to have a lot of chances like this to get to that bullpen that Chicago has. It's one of the best in baseball, and the Indians uh, did not get to it. They let them completely off scot-free. Stars of this one. Loop low nailer. Like, those are where it starts. Uh, you know, I always like to point out who reached base twice. And this is another one where I kind of sit back and go, how did you not get more out of this? Because, okay, Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario, Ahmed Rosario, and then Chang Bowers did not. Which means the other five players, Loop low Hernandez, Reyes, Naylor, Perez, all reached base twice. Some more than twice. Uh, again, and it's just hard because right now, you know, Reyes goes three for four with a walk. He's going to be your third. I mean, the three, the three star. Talking about how bad the offense was in this one. Yeah, your three stars are all hitters because those three players did perform. Uh, they hit. They played well uh, throughout. Uh, but when you're Reyes and you have that strong game with the guys on either side of you, are just not making any contact they're combined one for nine with uh i'm sorry oh for nine one walk three strikeouts it's it's either killing the inning before uh an opportunity before you get your opportunity to hit or it's you're getting on base and now it is occurring and it's lowering the chances maybe i'm harping too much on one game but like of all the games this season this is the one that i have been most bothered by because there were a multitude of opportunities. There were so many ways that they could have added runs. Uh, And it's not even one of those where you're like, well, they wasted a great pitching performance. It's not only did they blow all those opportunities offensively, but then the pitching was bad, and it's against a team in your division. So that's why this is a game that really got in my craw this evening. So our final sponsor here, we're going to go over to check out our old friends at Bet Online, see what they're thinking about tomorrow's matchup. The Indians versus the White Sox. 
I have to believe with Lance Lynn on the mound without even looking that this is going to be one where the White Sox are the favorites. But let's find out very quickly. And remember, when you go to bet online and use that promo code locked on, you're going to get a 55 0% bonus on your first deposit. Huge number. Check it out for yourself over at Bet Online today. So, this matchup against the White Sox, interesting. Not listed, which basically means that it's getting viewed as kind of a push, that it's not one where they're overly favoring uh, either team. I thought for sure we'd see uh, the White Sox favored in that one, but I guess after the Indians beat Lynn a week ago, I don't know how that affects such things in gambling. But if you're someone who knows the lines, knows the angles, go check out Bet Online for yourself. Uh, just looking through these, I mean, the one game that stands out to me is Braves versus Yankees. Now, I know Ian Anderson's been shaky in the early going, but Kluber has been even shakier. You know, it's one of those where they're always, Bet Online always has a straight one and a half point run line. Now, I don't know if that's uniform. If you're someone here in the know, go and this might be a chance to, uh, to make yourself a little money. Remember to use the promo code locked on uh, to get that 50% bonus. But uh, yeah, there's some of these matchups. I'm like, really, that's the team that's favored? We'd, we'll have to wait and see. I also want to remind everyone to check out the Ultimate Mock Draft. Big initiative they're doing right now on the network. Go check it out for yourself today. I'm trying to think because Cole that- started Sunday. They don't have anyone listed against the Braves yet, or at least they didn't this morning when I checked. Um, I mean, it should be Kluber and then Tyone, right? Is that how they're doing it, I think? I think so. And yeah. uh, Because it means we're not going to see Kluber, which, and I'm sad about that, not just because he's pitching poorly, but just, again, fan of him. I would have liked a chance to see him pitch, even if it's not in, like I like seeing Carlos Santana, even though he's not with the Indians. You like to see the guys you like. Right. Um, you know, it's possible you could see an opener game again, like they did this week against the Rays, which didn't go well. Um, I always feel, you know, I felt this way in the division series last year. I I don't know why Aaron Boone gets it in his head that he can manage like the Rays and do things like the Rays. I mean, I ranted about this for about a month after the division series ended that game two should have been started by Masahiro Tanaka and not Davey Garcia and then bringing in Jay Happ in the second inning. I don't know what, you know, you were talking about um, Francona not pitching the people that you would have wanted to see in 2017. It, I don't understand why some of these managers, it's like they change their way of managing in the playoffs. And it's like, what are you doing? Do what you did to win all those regular season games and don't change things up. Like when Buck Showalter didn't bring Zach Britton in, in the AL wildcard game, what was that 2016 against the Blue yeah. Jays? And everyone watching that game was like, what are you doing? Why is he still in the bullpen? What's the matter with you? Well, it, was, like it's, it wasn't a save situation, right? Like it was the old logic, you know, like we'll, we'll leave our best pitcher on the bench because but it's, it's not like, a safe situation. This is a uh, winner takes all. Let's go to the first round sort of thing. And what were you thinking? But I feel like, you know, 
the the managers who change their philosophy from regular season to playoffs in such a way that it's almost as if they're managing a different team, they're going to screw things up for their team <laughs> in that round. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you become such a creature of habit over 162 games to like, the one time I've seen it work well was to give, sometimes I'm rough on Terry Francona and I mean, he's a great manager. I, I, a little too old school for me, but like the one time he didn't go old school was that year, the 2016 season where he just rode the bullpen and he was very smart and went to it early. And it was, and all of everything he did there was advanced analytical thoughts. Like he went, he threw out the old school, went new school. That's the only time we've seen it. But for most of these guys, you're so used to something that to, to change it on these players is it's just, it always struck me as a risk to do that. Like, why are you rocking the boat in that situation? Like, especially Jay Happ came out and said he didn't feel comfortable not starting a game. Why would you do that to him in the playoffs? He was already having issues pitching. <laughs> I just don't. And the yeah. Indians have a lineup that's uh, better against lefties and righties. I, I know, like, in that postseason and that's part of the fun with this. I'm kind of curious to see how Bieber is going to pitch in his chance at a revenge game after essentially having one bad game last year and it managed to be against the Yankees in the postseason. Right. Yeah, that was... Um, what did you think about the wild card um, series? I mean, I know, you know it was a shortened season and things were different and, you know, they were pulling out all these things like, you know, the seven inning double headers. I don't mind those. I don't mind I those either. I just, you know, some people are advocating for every game to be seven innings. And I'm like, okay, it's not Little League. Calm down. Um, I don't like the runner on second and extra it. innings. I, I just... I'd rather have a tie, honestly. Like I, I said that on the show yesterday. I'd rather have like either hockey system or a tie. Like if you're going to be that worried about injury... Pace play then... and yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, you know who also doesn't like that rule? Uh, David Cohn. <laughs> We were talking about it. Um, I don't know if I put that in my show, but yeah, no. And, and he kind of alluded to it while he was, I interviewed David Cohn for anyone who didn't know. And, you know, it was the night, it was the morning after they lost against, I think, Baltimore because of the runner on second. It was something, I think that's what it was. And it was just such a horrible game. And, you know, I said to him, are you tired after last night's debacle? Because it was, I think they traded runners on second. I think it, it went into the 11th inning. So both teams were able to score with the runner on second and it made the game longer, which is even funnier because they were trying to do that to make it shorter. And yeah, no, he's not a fan. <laughs> not no, at all. I, I, I'm not surprised by that one. I could, I could definitely see that. Plus I think, he's a pitcher. Why would a pitcher yeah, ever? No pitchers ever want going that. to like that. Right. No, I, my whole thing last year and it's the humor from like to take humor out of a, awful pitching performance uh, across the board is like Indians fans still are harping about how bad the offense was a year ago. And that's fine. And I get it. It's been not good to start the year, but like advanced metrics, they're actually have good numbers. They've just been incredible. Like they're hitting the ball hundreds of miles on, you know, well not hundreds over a hundred miles an hour often and getting out. Like they have been, you know, we, anyone who follows in depth knows if you hit it over a hundred miles an hour, the chances of it being a hit are high. Right. Uh, the Indians actually, I think are like, under 50% on balls hit over hundred miles an hour right now. They've been incredibly unlucky, but you look at that postseason series. Everyone wants to talk about the Indians and their awful hitting. It wasn't the hitting. It was weirdly the pitching that failed that postseason run. It was not. Yeah. Three runs in one game, nine in the other and getting to the closer. It's 
for as much as it, it was almost like we're just going to show you the opposite of your biggest complaint and uh yeah i i think like i said for me and as it, just for me in general as an indians fan it's always more fun to watch shane bieber pitch but i'm very curious to see and he's the nicest most even keeled human like i got to interview him in the minors when he was you know he's a guy who was never a top 100 prospect i don't even he might have only been in the Indians top 10 once. Like he was just, he moved very quickly through the system. And, you know, Indians fans might have heard this. Yankees fans might find this funny. Like I was interviewing him once and he saw his host family and he's asked me if he could pause the interview because he wanted to go spend time with them. And I'm like, that's totally fine. So like, that's the type of human being he is. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'd be okay with me sharing that story. But he's like, can I, that's my, you know, host family from my last stop. I have to go. And I'm like, go ahead. Like that's, that's the human he is. Mm-hmm. So you, you like him because he's a, a good dude and B he's just an excellent pitcher, but I'm very curious to see someone who really doesn't seem to have any nastiness in him uh, as a, you know, anger or anything like that, that how he's going to pitch in a situation where I feel like he's going to go up against that Yankees team. And if there's ever a time where Shane Bieber is going to be a little bit extra motivated, it's this game yeah. <laughs> with as well as he's pitching, it's going to be a fun matchup. I think for that one. Oh Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, we'll see how the Braves series goes for the Yankees. Um, you know, I even joked on my show that I said, yeah, things aren't getting easier for the Yankees because they're facing the Braves and Charlie Morton, because even though Charlie Morton has a 4.76 ERA right now, he always seems to stymie the Yankees lineup for some reason. So it's not like they have an easy road ahead of them to stop this skid. And I even said that I said, uh, you know, we might be looking at five and eleven. That might be the low point, and then maybe things will improve, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it always comes down to like, it's still the Yankees. If things are going poorly at the deadline, they can still not necessarily, I mean, I know this isn't the old Steinbrenner days. They can't necessarily buy talent, but they can oh, still. Oh, not with Hal. No, they're, Hal is. They're probably up against it. I was like, in my mind, <laughs> I'm always like, well, they can go trade for someone who's, you know, go get their version of a Nolan Arenado, you know, find the team that's willing to give away talent to save money. But I mean, maybe not anymore. I guess that's the weird thing. It's those days of those, all of those owners, Illich in Detroit and with, you know, all the sons do not want to spend their money. The fathers were willing, but the sons of those owners are now a little more tight fisted. It's uh, if Cohen follows through on what he says, I mean, he might be one of like three owners really willing to actually spend out there. Uh, I will say I, when you're talking about Urshila, Urshila earlier, it is kind of funny that him and Lindor were like besties in the minors. And now they'll both be in New York and able to, like in my mind, I am picturing a uh, a buddy sitcom where those two are like living together and playing for opposite teams. And if it doesn't exist, I really think uh, MLB needs to get on doing this, and they can steal my idea and not credit me. But I think it's uh, those are two very likable stars with a odd couple-ish team situation. So MLB, if you're hearing, uh, please steal my idea. Let's have an odd couple Mets Yankees type of show. I think this is uh, this is the way to go to market your young talent in. Uh, you know, the biggest uh, city in the U.S. Let's, let's get that done. I agree. I think that's a good idea. I mean, I, I would watch it. I, I'd be entertaining to do. Uh, I understand you can't have them as actors because they're playing in the season, but just record season. Let's uh, get them sitcom training. <laughs> Lin, I'm, I feel like Lindor with that smile would be a natural actor anyways. And then you could easily do multilingual stuff, really bring in other fan bases. That's. I'm, I feel like this is... Uh, could be a, a way for MLB to uh, I'm, I'm here MLB. I also think they should uh, adapt the giant sword thing that Korea did uh, to bring more entertainment uh, to their postseason. Uh, 
feel like probably the two of us here on a podcast could do a little bit more to help market than <laughs> baseball is doing for itself over the last decade. It's is it Korea uh, or Japan where the guy dances it, after the game if he's the MVP of the game? Oh, I can't remember. Because I saw someone who was dancing. I think it may be Japan. It could be. I just I remember the sword was with uh, the Korean League. And now watch me be wrong. And if I am, I apo- I'm apologizing ahead of time. I'm, I'm, I have that confidence that I'm correct, which means inevitably uh, I'm wrong and it's not. But my my stance even then was like, no one can name the World Series trophy. I've held it because the the venue I got married in had to uh, the guy, uh, the person who had owned it had owned the Pirates and they won World Series. Uh, so when I looked at the trophy, they just left them there. There's like at this venue. So I got to hold one of the seventies pirates trophies and the great humor to me. And I'm, I know it's in Ohio. So of course it's the Indians flag that someone ripped off at one point in time as a keepsake. But of course it is also in terms of bad luck, it's the Indians flag is the only one without a keepsake. Then that's mm. you know, fun <laughs> world of it all. But I have, you know, I've taken your time for almost 45 minutes here. I just want to, again, thank you for coming on and uh, indulging the flights of fancy on the, uh, Locked on Indians podcast today. Uh, oh, tongue tied for a second. Can you tell uh, people who are listening who are not familiar where they can find you on Twitter and anywhere else? Uh, Twitter. I'm at Stace Gotts, S-T-A-C-E-G-O-T-S, because my entire name is too long for Twitter. Um, <laughs> and that's basically it. You know, I don't really write anymore. I was trying to get back into it but i wouldn't even know who to talk to about that because it's been three years but we'll we'll see i might maybe do some writing on my own and self-publish we'll see but i do miss writing about baseball and i'm kind of itching to do it again so we'll see <laughs> I, i've been doing a little bit of that on my own so i under, i understand the, the not so fun of the, the self-publishing but uh i think we'd all be better uh you know if you're out there writing as well so i will Thank say you. that uh, hopefully you'll get back out there uh, i have been jeff ellis i want to remind everyone to check out locked on indians and locked on, Yan- locked on yankees uh, remember to rate and review both shows download daily that really helps us out tell a friend uh whatever you can do it is a great thing for both of our shows uh and for the next year maybe to go tribe